What does 2021 hold for the economy, stocks, precious metals, and mining companies? We're here to discuss this with Whitney George, president of Sprott Inc. Whitney, it's your first time on Kickle. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. It's a delight. It's a delight to have you. Let's uh, walk through, before we talk about the economy and your outlook, can you introduce yourself to the audience and tell us a little bit about your investment style, your fund, and what sectors you like right now? Okay, thank you. Um, well, I've been at this uh, for quite a while, I think 40 years now, um, and um, most of the time in the asset management business, most of the time as a portfolio manager. Uh, very early on in my career, I started to pay attention to um, uh, what Warren Buffett was doing and reading all of his, his annual reports. Uh, and so I'm a bit of a long-term value investor, although I'd characterize it more as sort of 1980s and 90s Warren Buffett. Uh, so I'm not invested in utilities for sure. Um, as president of Sprott Inc., um, I joined the firm five and a half years ago after 23 and a half years at Royce and Associates. And uh, at the time, I saw an opportunity uh, to help the team uh, build a world-class uh, investment firm uh, with, that specialized in gold and precious metals, uh, as well as uh, mining equities. Um, at the time, uh, we were in the middle of a bear market. Uh, um, and again, as a long-term investor, uh, for me, that's the best time uh, to get involved. And so currently, um, I'm helping manage Sprott Inc. While on the side, I'm running a small uh, portfolio closed-end fund, uh, Sprott Focus Trust, which is a general portfolio uh, that uses uh, the discipline that I've um, been, been using for more than 20 years now. You, you said you were a value investor. You must be familiar with the work of Benjamin Graham. He, he famously, well, I'm paraphrasing his book here, but he famously said that the, the, the difference between investing and speculating is a degree of risk you take. So would you consider yourself an investor or a speculator? Uh, I'm an investor, and um, I would suggest that it has more to do with one's time horizon uh, than anything else. So okay. I, I tend to look at things uh, and think about them um, over a three to five year horizon at a minimum. Uh, obviously, as Buffett said, the best uh, investment horizon is forever. <laughs> it's forever. Uh, let's talk about your portfolio now. Uh, what are your favorite sectors? What are you overweight in? And uh, can you tell us a little bit about your process for picking securities? I know you're a bottom-up investor. So what, what does that mean for, uh, for the viewers who may not be familiar with that term? Uh, bottom-up means that I'm looking for interesting companies um, you know, one by one. Uh, it's not driven by a macro view or a prediction on economic growth um, or, or even predictions on, um, on co individual company growth. It's, it's trying to ident identify um, what I think are great businesses um, that have strong balance sheets uh, so that there's no risk there, uh, that typically earn high returns on their own capital so they can share that with their shareholders. And then I like to buy them when they're out of favor. Um, and very often that's driven by uh, macro fundamentals um, and, and various parts of the business cycle. So. Um, I am trying to buy those things that uh, inexpensively because you know, something is bothering other investors at the time and then hold them for the long run and, and hopefully things uh, turn around and work out or, or um, mean revert. Um, so biggest sectors um, should be no surprise to everybody would be uh, materials, which would include precious metals and mining stocks. Uh, that's about 19% of the portfolio. I kind of tend to limit one sector to 20%. So I'm full in uh, when it comes to the mining sector. Um, gold has rallied and responded to all the stimulus this year. I think COVID provided you know, a tipping point um, and we're on our way to modern monetary theory, i.e. 
uh, print whatever we need to accomplish what our society wants. Uh, and gold tends to do very well uh, when uh, rates are low and particularly when real rates, i.e. after inflation, are negative. And we're certainly there right now. So a higher gold price obviously is very good for the mining sector. Um, and we are witnessing all the things that any fundamental investor would like to see, which is expanding margins, uh, free cash flow, increased dividends, uh, growth. Um, it's one of the um, one of the few sectors you can point to where across the board, uh, even with the um, the impacts of COVID, uh, we're we're seeing robust growth you know, this year, and I think that's going to continue for the next few years. These tend to be long cycles. Okay, let's talk um, about yeah. We're going to talk about the cycles in just a bit. I'm curious yeah. as to what you think about other sectors not included in your portfolio. Is tech a, a big part at all? I know you follow Warren Buffett's work, and uh, for a long time, he famously was not invested in, in, in big-name tech companies, but now Apple is one of his core hoardings. So he definitely shifted his views along the way. How do you feel? Do you feel the same way? Um, well, Apple was my number one holding for about six years. I, um, um, I, I, bought, I bought it actually uh, the day after Steve Jobs unfortunately passed away, um, and that was a value moment for Apple. And Apple remained a value you know, for a long, long time. You know, eventually, Warren Buffett discovered it um, as well, I think, in 2016 or 17. Uh, hard for me, uh, you know, based on the math right now, uh, I know the outlook is very, very bright. Um, and I know it's been a major beneficiary of you know, the current conditions. But um, from my perspective, um, as a business, um, it looks pretty fully priced. So it's no longer in the portfolio. And that's true of um, a bunch of other um, tech you know, semiconductor companies, things like that, that we have traditionally owned in the portfolio. Uh, those are cyclical businesses and, and fall out of favor from time to time, but right now they're very much in favor. And so there's not a lot of tech waiting. It's probably the lowest waiting in my portfolio that it's been in, in, in quite some time. Um, <clears throat> on the flip side, I'm a huge fan of the asset management business, um, being, in, you know, being involved in, in one myself. And um, uh, it's um, probably close, another uh, heavyweight, probably close to 20% in financials, and all of those financials would be asset managers. Um, what I like about the business is the operating leverage uh, that these companies have without taking on the financial leverage um, that's required in banking or, or most forms of insurance. So asset management would be another area um, that I'm heavily overweight in. Okay. Let's talk about the gold and mining sector now. So you said that Apple and some tech stocks are fully priced. Let's walk through why you think the miners are not yet fully priced. Can you, can you describe your valuation process from looking at the company to coming up with a valuation to finally asserting that uh, the true net asset value should be a lot higher than maybe what it's trading at now? Sure. Um, I, I, I use the same uh, metrics across all industries. And um, what I'm looking for is um, buying companies uh, at a business valuation that makes sense to me. Um, typically, that's somewhere around 10 times earnings, but I tend to look at operating income and it, it, it to kind of get an apples to apples comparison uh, as, as compared to its enterprise value. And right now, um, even if the metal prices don't move higher, um, many mining companies are generating free cash flows in the 10% range. They have very strong balance sheets um, after a lot of repair and, and maybe overdoing it in the last cycle, uh, but currently they're conservatively managed. Uh, they're using some of that free cash flow to, um, to develop new, uh, new projects, but more and more uh, larger dividends for their shareholders. Um, so 
I'd use the same metrics for asset managers, miners, um, technology. You know, Apple computer traded at 10 times earnings for years. Um, you know, now I don't even know what the multiple is. I wouldn't necessarily say in a zero interest rate environment, uh, any equity is overpriced. Um, but certainly on a relative basis, um, I think that you've got better real growth prospects in, um, in earnings and the metrics investors look for um, in the mining sector than you do in tech right now. And, and the industry is um, not widely owned. Um, I think you could put all the, the mining companies, large and small, um, you know, into Facebook's market cap. Uh, first of all, do you prefer the juniors or the seniors in terms of mining? Um, I tend to uh, prefer the seniors as a generalist. Um, we have a deep, deep bench and staff of uh, portfolio managers and analysts in Toronto and actually spread around uh, the country um, that uh, specialize in that. And so I rely heavily on their work. Um, but for the most part, um, I'm going to probably be in, in, in recognizable names. Okay. So if an investor were to come into the producing space and were to pick a stock for himself, what are some of the valuation metrics that he first needs to screen for uh, in terms of uh, the level? So like what's the industry average PE or EV to EBITDA that, uh, that you're looking at and as a benchmark? So it depends on what an investor is looking for. If you're looking at a major company, um, you know, I like to look at things that are trading at about um, 10, 12 times uh, earnings. Okay. Um, um, or a free cash flow yield of somewhere between five and ten percent at a senior uh, a senior mining company. You know, if they're looking for growth, um, you know, they might get into an emerging uh, producer or even an exploration company. So I, um, for I, I would for my own money, I've invested in um, Sprott's ETF, uh, which is broadly diversified. Um, we have a junior mining ETF and a and a senior mining ETF, and they're both factor based as opposed to market cap weighted. Um, but again, um, when generalists come, you know, they're going to start with the big recognized names. Um, and I ex would expect them to do very, very well until you get deeper into the cycle and you have to dig a little bit deeper, no pun intended, uh, to, to kind of find the, the valuations that I would be comfortable. But at this stage, um, I think you could, you, you can, you can own the majors because, um, again, I expect the amount of rotation that could come into this space among generalists, um, you know, and there are not a lot of specialists left around the world anymore after the last bear market, um, you know, will we'll flock to those liquid names. Can you, can you share with us a few of the names that you do like? Yeah, we, we tend not to like uh, to, to, to talk about stocks, but again, I, I, you know, I, if I were making a recommendation because this is not my area of specialty, I, I would look at one of our ETFs. Okay. Um, and because I think it is a risky business, there are all kinds of risks, and I think diversification is very important in the space. Well, if if you were to, if somebody were to give you a financial statement for a mining company, just 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 the three statements: the income statement, balance sheet, the cash flow statement, and if you were to just ignore the notes for a while, what what, what are some of the first things you would be the top three things you would be looking for? on those three financial statements uh, to screen out any companies that you would not invest in? I'd start with the balance sheet. Um, I have a broad rule, uh, which is very simple. Um, it's part of what was called the old DuPont model, uh, where um, I measure um, assets divided by shareholder equity. Um, anything at two or higher is a no-go for me. Uh, that picks up all forms of debt, um, working capital and things like that. So I, that's where I start. 
Um, the next thing I would look at is uh, is the operating income and and, a, and an estimate of what operating income might do. Um, the operating leverage in a mining company you know, is enormous to the price of gold. Uh, their costs are relatively fixed, um, in some cases recently even down, like energy uh, and labor in certain parts of the world. Um, um, so a you know, two or $300 move in the price of gold um, dramatically uh, increases you know, their operating margins. So some sort of estimate of, of what kind of operating income they're going to earn over the course of the next year. And you know, can I buy it um, at a business valuation that makes sense to me? Um, a, a price where I'll do well if another mining company comes along and acquires them, as opposed to a price that's based on some very far out forecast of metal prices or, or, or earnings for the company. Okay. What about their costs, Whitney? The all-in sustaining costs of the industry. Have you noticed a trend in the last couple of years, whether or not costs have been going up or down, and what what to you is an appropriate level of all in sustaining costs on a per ounce basis? Um, well, I think it's it, it's probably you could build a new mine today if you were so inclined um, at a thousand dollars an ounce all in, um, and that's that's very profitable with eighteen hundred and seventy dollar gold. Um, I think you'd want a margin of safety. Um, I certainly wouldn't want to invest in, in something that is. You know, north of twelve hundred dollars. Um, if you look at Mark Briscoe at at at, um, at Barrick, I mean, I think he's, he's at um, eight hundred is, is is a benchmark for his projects. But again, um, if gold prices stay around where they are now, I suspect that that will come up because again, um, these companies are depleting their assets and are going to have to replace them uh, either through exploration and development or acquisition. Um, so um, the margins are great right now. I suspect as you get longer into the cycle, if I'm right about you know, general inflation, uh, their costs will go up, uh, but it's really a function of um, how far they're going up relative to the, the price of the end product. Wendy, one of the arguments I've heard against investing in gold companies is that gold companies inherently are more risky than the metal itself. For example, if a management team mismanages costs, that presents... Um, a risk to the investors. Why not just invest in the metal if you're going to be into the space? Um, I think I think they're different. Um, you know, for me personally, um, the metal represents a currency. Um, you know, and a hedge against um, you know this country and others, the United States and others, mismanaging you know their currencies. Um, so it's almost a bond surrogate, and and certainly it performs. Um, and provides the um, that kind of uh, insurance that you would get in a bond portfolio, particularly when rates are so low or or you know negative in real terms. And I think uh, I think it might even be the bond investor type uh, that has been looking at the actual commodity or the or, or gold as a currency. Um, miners are risky. Um, they have they give you the uh, the leverage to the rising prices. Um, so um, their earnings can grow exponentially um, in a rising gold price, you know, two or three X uh, the returns that you might get um, owning the physical uh, metal. So I think of owning gold equities as a little bit more tactical, uh, a little less permanent. Um, I think you've got to pick your spots. Um, I happen to think right now uh, it's a particularly um, good time to be investing, but it's not a forever kind of thing. Now, the cycles do run very long. You know, ten years. Um, their business cycles. That's you know, that's probably the minimum what it takes to get a new mine into production. Um, and uh, the returns over those cycles can be very, very robust. But the um, 
but the corrections are are obviously you know steep and fast and and can deliver yeah. a very bumpy ride for people. Gold miners have seen a great year this year as gold prices have risen. Do you think that suppose next year gold prices stay flat? Let's suppose it doesn't go anywhere up or down. It stays the same level as it as it is today. Do you think miners still have room to expand in that scenario? Absolutely. Um, I, I don't think um, the consensus forecasts for um, earnings for these gold miners among the sell side research I've read, you know, bake in the current kind of price, the current pricing, the flat pricing for gold. I think most models long term have gold prices falling back off to fourteen hundred or more or something in that neighborhood. So um, I think you'll see positive earnings. I think you'll see earnings revisions upward, uh, earnings surprises. You know all the things that get uh, general equity investors yeah, excited about stocks. I think um, a lot of that's baked in in a flat pricing environment. That that's interesting. How uh, let's talk about the economy now. Your outlook on the economy and how that ref- relates to your outlook on gold prices. Now you mentioned just now that uh, some analysts have forecasted much lower gold prices. I'm curious as to why and whether or not you agree with them. Um, I think they do it for conservatism. I mean, okay. you know, nobody nobody wants to get out over their skis on these things, and we all know gold prices are volatile. Um, I I happen to believe that we are going to be in a permanently higher gold price. You know, certainly priced in dollars, um, just because the world can't afford uh, more expensive dollars. Um, the only way out of our current financial situation is currency debasement, um, because we're not paying it back. Um, no one's going to get reelected on an austerity program, uh, and we certainly don't want to default. So there have been times in our history, and I was a history major in college, um, where um, rates were held um, artificially low uh, to allow it, the currency to reestablish itself at a lower level to make the, the large debt pile uh, more affordable. And I think that's exactly where we are now. And I think it argues for much higher gold prices, you know, not they forecast it back down to 1,200 or 1,400. Um, but again, I, I can't speak to how the sell-side research model works. Sure. Um, I just you know, know what goes on. And in, in good markets, you know, the analysts are always trying to play catch-up um, on their earnings forecasts. Um, earnings surprises you know, occur, and, and most of what we've seen, certainly in the last reporting period, have been better than expected earnings um, with accompanied by increased dividends, and again, you know, factors that uh, that investors you know tend to, to flock to. To get to the economy, I think um, I'm. I think the economy has recovered faster than people thought. Obviously, we're in a, a bit of a pause here with the pandemic and in, in the winter season. Um, my expectation, and the market seems to start is starting to price this in, is for a more robust year in terms of GDP. Um, a lot of pent up savings uh, that that uh, that can go into the market. I would expect. Um, under the new administration, we'll finally get some sort of infrastructure um, kind of program uh, that will, um, you know, will give uh, the economy an added boost. And with that, I would expect that you know, generally prices or inflation uh, will be on the rise, maybe to the surprise of many who have now pretty much forgotten that it can never exist again. And um, so I would think that the economy is going to do well, and I think inflation is going to pick up for the market in general. That may mean um, slightly lower multiples due to inflation on higher earnings or a push. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if we have some more steep, sharp corrections along the way. This has been a liquidity-driven market up until now. And all the money created to get us through COVID has had nowhere to go. 
uh, other than into the markets. You know, if the economy actually starts to pick up speed in the spring, um, some of that money may come out of the markets and go into the, the general economy. Um, and that could produce some challenges, but in my way of thinking, it'll certainly produce some opportunities. So given the, uh, your outlook on inflation and potential corrections along the way, what other sectors do you like besides materials and precious metals and mining companies? Well, so I'd like anything that's related to um, infrastructure at this point. I think it's something we just have to do. We've been talking about it forever. Um, and you know, now, now there's no reason not to. Um, so that would be aggregate companies. It would be uh, steel uh, distributors. Um, it would be uh, you know, any, anything in, in the construction. It would be PVC pipe for infrastructure. Um, it would be um, basically hard assets. Uh, I also like uh, protein as a, a long-term theme. Um, that would be chicken processors or, or um, egg producers. Um, because as prices rise, and I expect grain prices to rise, the cost of food, uh, protein will go up. The world is, is increasingly, increasingly growing its appetite for protein. Um, and I would look for the most affordable proteins as being the best place to be positioned. Um, and then again, uh, it, it, I think energy is going to do, uh, do a lot better um, than it's done for the last couple of years, um, uh, particularly uh, natural gas in the United States. I see it as the long-term transition fuel uh, to get us from uh, where we are now with fossil fuels and coal to, um, to uh, clean energy. Um, it's, it's the cleanest form of fossil fuel. We, it's abundant, and I would, um, I would expect a recovery in energy and energy service companies. Whitney, thanks very much for that recapping for your outlook. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Happy New Year to you, and uh, I look forward to speaking with you in 2021 again. That would be great. Thank you very much. And happy holidays. Happy New Year. Happy holidays. Thank you very much for watching Kiko News. I'm David Lin.